It's Mick on the mic, and you're listening to the Cults and Crime Podcast, where we do a deep dive into the ideologies and crimes of known cults and sects. Please note that today's episode includes violent and sexual themes, which may make some listeners uncomfortable. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hello friends, welcome to episode 2, Um Shinriko. A quick disclaimer, this episode discusses certain branches of religion. I'd like to point out that most religions have extremist sects, and this does not represent the religion as a whole. Now on to the show. Um Shinriko, aka Um, started out as a yoga group in 1984 and eventually grew internationally to a religious sect with nearly 50,000 members. This group in 1995 committed the Tokyo subway gas attack, killing 13 and injuring approximately 5,500 people during their rush hour commute. But how did they go from a peaceful meditation group to a murderous religious sect? First, let's take a look at their leader, Ashihara Shoko. Ashihara was born in 1955 with the given name of Matsumoto Chuzo in Kushu, Japan. He was born blind in one eye and had limited vision in the other. Given his disability, he was sent to a government-funded school for the blind and upon graduation became a professional acupuncturist, which in Japan is traditionally held by those with visual deficits. In 1977, Ashihara moved to Tokyo and married Ishii Tomoko, where they had six children together. It was at this point Ashihara started turning towards traditional medicine and developed an interest in fortune-telling, divination, and Taoism. For those of us who are unaware, Taoism, also known as Taoism, focuses on living in harmony with Tao, which is the underlying reality, or the way. Common aims include becoming one with Tao, becoming a sage, and even becoming immortal. Taoism also included ideas of obtaining supernatural power. It used the powers of Qi, also known as bioenergy, to awaken the controlled flow of it, thus activating the chakras. Between 1981 and 1984, Ashihara became a member of a new religious movement called Aganshu. Here, he learned yoga practice and teaching. During this time in Japan, yoga, esoteric Buddhism, and acquiring supernatural powers was becoming attractive to Japanese young people. In 1985, the magazine Twilight Zone published a photo of Ashara levitating during meditation practice, which attracted people to him. They became the start of the group called Um Shinzen no Kai, also known as um, group of mountain Aztecs in April 1986. Ascetics are people who practice self-discipline and abstinence. Followers stated they were searching for a deeper meaning in life, something they felt society and current established religions could not provide. They wanted to heal their trauma and their emotional and psychological wounds. They believed Ashihara knew better than themselves and wanted to move away from the material world and plunge into the spiritual. In summer of 1986, Ashihara went to India to study under the tutelage of a yoga master. 
He thought the master was greedy, and thus continued his practice alone. At the end of his two-month stay, he claimed he had reached enlightenment, the, quote, state of absolute freedom, happiness, joy, where suffering is extinguished and life and death, death transcended. Am members practiced yoga regularly. Ashihara explained his practice of yoga as a process of where a person experiences suffering, then looks to their guru and the god Shiva, and practices yoga to awaken spiritual energy, which raises the spirit to higher dimensions. As practice continues, the person goes through the phases of ecstasy, joy, calmness, and lightness, finally reaching samadhi, the state beyond life and death. Shiva became the central deity for Um. Ashihara claimed his enlightenment was certified by Shiva. Shiva represents chaos that through destruction brings new beginnings. Shiva is the lord of yoga and is said to destroy obstacles of those who practice yoga to guide them to spiritual enlightenment. Um members stated that Ashihara was the Buddha of our times. Ashihara claimed to be the reincarnate of Shiva, and as such, Um members referred to Ashihara as Guru, revered master, and his holiness, which is a term reserved for the Pope and the Dalai Lama. In the fall of 1986, Am members started leaving their houses, meaning leaving their families behind to follow Ashihara, forming a sort of commune, a community of celibate monks and nuns dedicating their lives to spiritual practice. Members felt a sense of acceptance and a feeling of being supported by their formed community from this change. Am's spiritual beliefs shifted to include Hinayana Buddhism, also known as the original Buddhism. Here it is believed true happiness is obtained through awakening or liberation. Followers still practiced yoga, but lines were drawn between the two by Ashihara. It was at this time Ashihara publicly claimed that he could predict future events. He stated he predicted the eruption of Vesuvius, the crash of a Japanese airplane, and an earthquake in Mexico two to four weeks in advance. He stated he gained this power by meditating and undergoing what he called astral trips. He predicted a nuclear war that would happen between 1999 to 2003, unless UM established at least one to two branches in every country by 1993. He believed this would reverse the impending war that he predicted would be a holy war between Christianity and Buddhism. UM members were taught that they were the chosen ones to survive and to influence others in the teaching of truth in order to save the world. In 1987, the group was changed to UM Shinriko, or um, teaching of absolute truth. They shifted away from a spiritual yoga group to a religious organization. Some left at this point since the group now seemed too religious or too old. To align with their new views, um applied for recognition as a religious body with the government. At this time, um adopted the religious beliefs of Mayahana Buddhism, and Ashara now stated that yoga could only bring you as far as ecstasy and not all the way to Samahadi. However, he had previously criticized this type of Buddhism for departing from the original teachings. 
Mayahana Buddhism brought the concept of karma to Um. Bad karma results in suffering, but it is believed it needs to be washed off by more suffering. Mayahana focuses on the freedom and happiness of others rather than the self, as in Hinayana Buddhism and yoga. Mahayana aims at reaching awakening by taking on the suffering of others and helping them reach awakening. Ashihara recorded lectures on the topic and asked members to listen to each teaching five to 15 times. Members wore different colored clothing to indicate their rank in the group, which correlated with their religious achievement working towards ultimate actualization. Members could ascend in rank by paying initiation fees to participate in higher levels of training. To join the highest rank, members had to pay a fee, reject all connections to their previous lives, and sign over all their assets. These people were called renunciates. In February 1987, Asahara claimed he met the Dalai Lama during a trip to India, and that he said the following, quote, Dear friend, Look at the Buddhism of Japan today. It has degenerated into ceremonialism and has lost the essential truth of the teachings. As the situation continues, Buddhism will vanish from Japan. Something needs to be done, and you should spread real Buddhism here. You can do that well. If you do so, I shall be very pleased, and it will help me with my mission. In October 1987, UM started their operations in the United States. They established themselves as a non-profit organization in New York and then established commercial companies in the same location. However, they never attracted many followers here. In 1993 and 94, UM used these companies to purchase gas masks, arranged to test chemical potency enhancing software, and looked into purchasing lasers. In August 1987, the first edition of UM's journal Mahayana was published. A passage by Ashara stated, quote, I tried all kinds of practices, such as Taoism, yoga, Buddhism, incorporating their essence into my training. My goal was supreme spiritual realization and enlightenment. Finally, I reached my goal in the holy vibration of the Himalayas. I attained supreme realization and enlightenment, but my soul was not satisfied. I could not bear the fact that only I was happy and other people were still in the world of suffering. I began to think, I will save other people at the sacrifice of my own self. In 1988, an unmember passed away after an intensive initiation ceremony in front of Ashtahara and other members. Worrying that a death would negatively affect their pending status as a Japanese religious organization, Leaders disposed of the body to the dismay and discomfort of the other members. Asahara stated it was necessary to allow UM to complete its mission. In February 1989, upper-level members strangled member Tagushi Shuji to death. Tagushi wanted to leave the group after witnessing the death of the new UM initiate in 1988. UM members thought he would blow the whistle if he left, and decided they could not let him live to protect Um. Despite killing Tagushi, Um information was still leaked to the press by family members in October 1989. Testimonies were released criticizing Um for their religious practices, such as drinking blood, celibacy, 
having members give large monetary donations, and allowing children to be involved in the group. It was stated that although members were taught to reject materialism, members paid large sums of money to partake in rituals involving Asahara's hair and bathwater, with one member said to have paid approximately $8,000 US for a blood initiation. In November 1989, a members murdered lawyer Tsumi Sakamoto, his wife, and his 14-month-old child. Tsumi was working a class action lawsuit against UM, and also gave a critical review of the group, which was broadcasted on the Tokyo Broadcasting System. UM members attempted talking to Tsumi to get him to stop the lawsuit and the public reports. However, they did not get the result they were hoping for, and felt the only way to protect UM was to kill him. UM members entered the home of the family while they slept injected them with lethal doses of potassium chloride to stop the heart, and strangled them for good measure. They then buried the bodies in the mountains. Police did almost nothing to investigate, as the lawyer had ties with communism. During this year, Um gained religious status, and later they founded the Shinritu, or Truth Party, and campaigned for lower house elections. Elections would take place February 1990, Campaign pamphlets stated, quote, It takes political action to do what religion cannot do. Therefore, I am taking a political approach to my activities. They called for the abolishment of consumer tax, which was recently instated. However, it was not clear in their campaigning what their real goals were. Um did not win a single seat in the election, and Um viewed this as a rejection by society and this began their course into the more dangerous acts that they are now known for. High-ranking UM members were ordered by Asahara to attempt assassinations of two other rival religious groups in an attempt to secure UM's standing and survival. One group was Sujaka Gaki, which had strong ties to the Komicho political party, which Asahara saw as a threat to their own political advancement. The Kumjito party ended up assuming control of the government and continues to do so today. The other group was Kofuku no Kagu, which was a much larger organization than UM. In both cases, UM attempted to assassinate their leaders. Anything allowing UM to continue towards its divine mission was considered necessary by Asahara. In spring 1990, Asahara evolved UM's religious beliefs again, as he believed in order to grow their membership, they needed to fast-track their religious progress. He introduced followers to the Tantra Vinayana system of practice, an esoteric form of Buddhism. This change took place right after UM received criticism from society after their electoral defeats and troubles with neighbors over land disputes. Tantric Buddhism in Um encompassed the thought that the end justifies the means, that bad deeds that lead to good outcomes will still result in enlightenment for the person doing bad deeds. This allowed murder for a religious purpose. Ashihara himself stated, quote, The end justifies the means. Let's say a man whose vices are so many he is certain to go to hell when he dies. If an enlightened individual determines it's best to put an end to his life sooner and actually goes ahead and kills him, 
this act would be seen as plain murder by society in general. But, in the light of our doctrine, the killing amounts to letting the man have his poa. As such, any enlightened person will see at once that both the killer and the person to be killed are going to benefit from the act. To clarify, poa is the leading of the soul by an enlightened individual to a higher spiritual dimension upon death. In October 1990, police arrested several upper members related to infractions of building regulations while trying to create their Lotus Village in Um Commune. Locals feared a neighborhood takeover by Um, and Um viewed this as suppression from the state. In 1991, Ashihara visited Sri Lanka where he was said to have been, quote, the only man who can save the world. The Prime Minister gave him a piece of Buddha Sakyami's relic, a symbol of religious power and authority. Um attempted to recruit here, but were not very successful. They bought a tea plantation in hopes to set up a village for Um members there, and offered to make financial investments in the country if they would allow it. However, officials did not approve. Um kept the plantation as an investment, but it never developed into the village. In 1992, um hosted a salvation tour in Russia. New religions were becoming attractive in post-Soviet Russia due to the bounce back from 70 years of religious oppression. Russian membership soared, attracting 30 to 40,000 members, with several hundred becoming renunciates. Due to their popularity, Um gained access to high officials, including the Vice President and the Secretary of Security Council who allowed them to buy weaponry and participate in training. Um trained with Russian Spetsnaz forces and purchased the blueprints for producing rifles. It's estimated that Um spent $12 million in payoffs to Russian officials, with the overall Russian involvement costing $50 million. In May 1993, Um purchased a 500,000-acre ranch in the outback of Australia planned to use this for testing chemical agents on sheep. In September that same year, Asahara and 25 close members moved to the ranch, paying a large sum of money in excess baggage fees. Two members were fined by the Australia police for attempting to ship chemicals in containers marked hand soap. What also caught the authorities' attention was the fact that Asahara was accompanied personally by five girls under the age of 15. The next time they tried to travel to Australia, they were denied visas. Though, through much persistence, a few members did eventually get visas again and ended up going to the ranch to test toxins. In June 1993, Um attempted to disperse anthrax from an Um-owned building in downtown Tokyo. This was the only biological attack attempted by Um. After an offensive smell that was noted by neighbors, Environmental authorities attempted to enter the building, but were blocked by UM members. They took samples of the outside of the building and could not detect any issues at the time. It took two weeks for authorities to secure a warrant to enter the building, and by that time, no lab equipment was seen inside. The samples they took that day were again inspected, and it was at this time they found anthrax and growth medium that was found from a sample near a vent in the roof. However, the attack ended up being harmless. The culture of anthrax that Um allegedly took from a university was from an attenuated vaccine 
meaning the bacteria was of a weaker and less contagious form. If the attack was better researched, it would have been life-threatening. As per the CDC, anthrax can be inhaled, which is the most common method of attack, or consumed in food or drink. It can also be absorbed through breaks in the skin. Once inside the body, spores multiply and produce toxins. Symptoms can be slow and develop over days to months. Symptoms can include itchy blisters, black-centered ulcers, fever, chills, shortness of breath, confusion, dizziness, cough, nausea, vomiting, excessive sweating, fatigue, headache, and fainting. If caught early enough, anthrax can be treated with antibiotics or an antitoxin. In 1994, UM established a new organizational structure exactly replicating the ministry system of the Japanese government. All ministry leaders were long-term followers of Asahara, who he trusted. He overlapped this new structure with the previously existing religious hierarchy to ease changes. These ministries, headed by Asahara, governed all activities of the group. In June 1994, Um launched a poison gas attack in Matsumoto, injuring approximately 500 and killing seven. Among the injured were judges involved in a land dispute case between the locals in Matsumoto and Um. The attack used sarin gas that was released from a truck which drove slowly through the neighborhood. Um got their way since after the attack, the case was postponed. Multiple sources stated Um used their influence in Russia to get the blueprint to synthesize sarin from them. As per the CDC, sarin gas is a nerve agent that is colorless, odorless, and tasteless. It is synthesized in liquid form and can cause death within minutes. Just one to 10 mils or a quarter to two teaspoons on the skin can be fatal. It's most commonly spread as an aerosol, but can also be put in water and food. Mild cases cause fluid in the airways, shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, blurred vision, muscle twitches and weakness. In severe cases, victims experience a loss of consciousness seizures, increase in respiratory secretions, cessation of respiration, and death. An antidote does exist, atropine and pralidoxin chloride, but it must be administered in minutes to hours depending on severity, and if the dose is large enough, there simply isn't enough time. In late July, UM successfully synthesized the nerve agent VX. Ashihara named it Jinsusuki, meaning divine power and it was used later to kill an UM member that was thought to be a spy. It was also used to assassinate other individuals who opposed UM. As per the CDC, VX is a clear, amber-colored, oily liquid that is tasteless and odorless. It can cause death within minutes. Just one drop on the skin can be fatal. It is most often released as an aerosol and inhaled, but can also be put into water and food. In mild cases, VX can cause blurry vision, runny nose, fluid buildup in the lungs, shortness of breath, sweating, twitching, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and weakness. In severe cases, it can cause loss of consciousness, bronchoconstriction, increased fluid buildup in the lungs, seizures, increase in respiratory secretions, cessation of respiration, and death. 
Essentially, in a severe case, victims would feel like they're choking, struggle to breathe, and eventually succumb to lack of oxygen. The antidote for VX is the same as sarin, and also needs to be administered as soon as possible. In late 1994, Russia revoked UM's religious organization status, and just several days before the 1995 Tokyo subway attack, Russian authorities raided UM's Moscow offices and confiscated property to reimburse damages accrued during several legal cases. In March 1995, UM committed the Tokyo subway gas attack using sarin. Five members boarded the subway cars on three separate lines during rush hour. They placed plastic bags filled with sarin in overhead bag racks or on the floor and punctured them with the sharpened tips of umbrellas that they were carrying and promptly exited. Thirteen people were killed and approximately 5,500 injured. However, this was a partial failure on Um's part. Experts stated that if the attack had been done more skillfully, tens of thousands would have been killed. Two days afterwards, 2,500 armed police stormed UM facilities. The raid was broadcast nationwide on TV. The police were able to enter the facility after obtaining a warrant related to the abduction of Kiera Kiyoshi. UM abducted Kiera in February 1995 after he attempted to hide his sister after UM pressured her to sign over real estate to the group. Police later discovered he was killed by an overdose of drugs. Investigations into UM lasted for months. During this time, they found large amounts of chemicals, weapons, and a lab. Remember that ranch we talked about? It was raided after the 1995 Tokyo subway attack, and it was discovered that they were testing sarin on the sheep. In October 1995, UM's religious status was revoked in Japan, and they were put under close surveillance by the government. Asahara was arrested on May 16, 1996. He was found hiding in a low-ceiling compartment in a building where he used to live with his family. During the trial, Asahara spoke incoherently and never explained exactly why they committed the attacks and never took responsibility. In January 2000, Um changed their name to Elf and issued an apology to past victims. The group split into at least two subgroups, one peaceful, going back to Um's roots, and one devoted to Asahara. In 2004, Asahara was sentenced to death, along with four out of the five members who were involved in the Tokyo subway attack. They were put to death in 2018. Although the death penalty has been abolished in most countries, Japan still practices this ultimate form of punishment, and research shows that Japanese public opinion supports the death penalty for crimes of the same nature as Asahara's. Now we know what UM did, but how did they do it? UM committed most of their crimes undetected due to wealth, legit business practices, and the protection of being classified as a religious organization. The only crime they committed that authorities could trace back to UM was the failed 1993 anthrax attack. The rest were confessed during trial. Legitimate business operations and religious conferences provided UM with the networking they needed to procure information and materials for weapons manufacturing. UM was able to order chemicals through two of their companies without raising any attention, as well as obtaining pathogen cultures from hospitals and clinics that they ran. 
Their classification as a religious organization in Japan allowed them to slip under the radar due to Japan's tendency for overcompensation of religious tolerance since the religious suppression of World War II. Japanese authorities needed large amounts of evidence before even investigating UM's activities. U.S. intelligence stated they didn't flag UM as a threat either because they were a religious organization from an allied nation. The American branch of UM contacted American producers for equipment, and nobody thought twice because the branch itself was American. UM was able to finance their activities through fundraising of multiple avenues. One of these we are already aware of is renunciation, giving all personal assets to the group. UM also sold books, meditation classes, and owned legitimate businesses such as copy shops, noodle shops, computer assembly and sales, and real estate. In the end, UM had financial assets equaling hundreds of millions of dollars. They owned property in multiple countries such as the US, Germany, Russia, Taiwan, and Sri Lanka. These resources, financial and otherwise, enabled UM to buy equipment, chemicals, and to travel as needed to establish contacts that would connect them with information and materials they needed to obtain their goals. At its peak, UM reached approximately 50,000 members, and between October 1988 and February 1995, 33 UM members died from accident, suicide, or murder. To this day, 21 members are still missing. Although UM committed many tragedies, and possibly some we still don't know about, the world is lucky they did not have the expertise to commit the attacks to the scale that they visioned. My thoughts go out to the families still affected by UM's crimes. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to keep tabs on the podcast, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Cults and Crime. In the episode description, I'll link my tip jar to my Red Circle page, as well as my Patreon account, and links to all of the resources where I obtain the information for today's episode. If you'd like to suggest a topic or kindly submit any corrections, you can send an email to cultsandcrime at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, please tell your friends and rate us on your favorite podcast app. Thank you again, and I'll see you in two weeks for the next episode.